Hi, I'm Debbie Georgettis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk. Today, we're going to talk about Rush Limbaugh, Trump, schools, McConnell, can't wait to get on to that, Biden's bumbling, Kamala's bidding, and Democrat lies, the Democrat mission, connect these dots, and America didn't vote for this. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. Hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's first five. Yes, again, we are home this week. This is not my normal, completely wonderful studio in Dallas. We are doing the show from home. We're very grateful we'll be able to do this from home. It has, and we got a little trouble getting started, so we uh, started a little bit late uh, as we're getting all our connections made. Matt, the wonderful, is at his home, being the producer from home and doing this show from home due to our ongoing weather issues in the great state of Texas. Obviously, I want to start the show today talking about Rush Limbaugh. Everyone likely at this point in the day has learned that he passed on this morning. And there are all sorts of great tributes being given. So I just want to give, you know, he's legendary. A friend of mine who actually worked for him was saying, you know, no one will ever replace him. But I was going to share some stories. I think everyone has their kind of Rush stories, how they got, you know, listening to him, how they helped him, how he helped them hone and and their uh, political thinking. When Rush Limbaugh first was on air, maybe not in the very beginning, but in the early stages when he was first on the air, we, my husband and I, lived in California, and we had three small children. I had just quit being practicing law, stay-at-home mom, and my husband's parents lived nearby. And we, even then, spent a lot of time talking about politics, my husband's parents and and, and my husband and I. And my father-in-law said one day, you know, I heard this really great guy on radio. I've never heard him before, Rush Limbaugh. Have you ever heard of him? And we hadn't. And you know, you're a stay-at-home mom, you're not, or I wasn't turning the radio on during the day. I was just, you know, playing with the kids, being a mom. But I started turning him on the car and realizing, wow, this guy, and as my father-in-law has said to us, he says the things that we already are thinking. He sounds, he's thinking like we are. And so it was just, he was very, uh, the first thing I say about him is he really gave voice to, or gave affirmation to many people who had watched the American political scene and started to think about, you know, how far afield something seemed and how Rush Limbaugh and his commentary about America really was affirming what we already thought, kind of a gut level, yes, America is a good country and and the uh, basic conservative political ideas are really, really good. So that was the first thing about him. Another great thing I was going to say, and so he was, he was obviously very, very helpful in, in there's no one like him in, in the talk radio world and in, in the talk show world, the punditry world. He was the first one on the scene. And I know he spoke about when he first got started trying to convince radio stations that at that time just AM radio was kind of dead. And he was saying, I can make a political show work three hours a day, talking politics. And he had many radio stations saying, that sounds kind of crazy. I mean, you think people are going to listen for three hours to talk about politics? But he knew he had a vision for what he wanted to do, and he went forward. So a couple of specific things to mention about him and his greatness. Um, one is that he did a great job of making the, com- the complex simple. And by that, I mean this. I remember one time, this is kind of nerdy recollection, but I remember one time he went through and described in really logical, clear, sequential order, the distinction between baseline budgeting and zero-based budgeting. And being a kind of a bit of a, whatever, nerd, I, I totally was into that, that concept, that the way that the fact our federal budget grew and grew was because of people not understanding how budgeting worked and being duped every time the leftist media and the, and the American left would claim that the Republicans were cutting funding to poor children, cutting funding to seniors. And the answer was they weren't cutting funding. They were, you know, trying to cut back on what was planned on and more and more just built-in spending. He did a great job on hundreds and probably thousands of issues, elucidating in a very clear way things like that. But I happen to remember that one because I thought, wow, that was the best explanation. People got it. And they then they realized 
how they're being duped by the left uh, when they would uh, claim that Republicans are cutting funding for this or that. And all they really meant was they're not planning to spend the built-in endless increase uh, that the left tried to do. A second thing that um, I really think was a powerful thing he did, you know, I think Americans try very hard to think of their fellow Americans as just good people. We, we want to think of our fellow Americans as, as, as good people, and most of our fellow Americans are, but many people do not want to, sometimes don't see through what ways the left uses to contort and manipulate the, their, um, their policies to get to the agenda they want. And two specific examples I so remember learning from Rush Limbaugh. One was that he talked about how the American left continually builds uh, dependency creation, creating programs, uh, welfare, food stamps, housing supplements, that they continually build those welfare programs for the purpose of cultivating a dependency state in America, dependency class to build a future and growing voting base for themselves. And they do this very particularly, the reason that they are they are advocating more spending on welfare, more spending on food stamps, is not because they're nicer people or more generous people, it's because it was a political intention to create a growing dependency class that would forever vote Democrat. Now, when Rush Limbaugh first said this thing, I remember thinking, that's kind of cynical. I mean, maybe the Democrats have a different view of how to, you know, help people who are poor. But, you know, I was naive and I was one of the ones wanting to just, at that time, years ago, take the left at face value. They say, well, we're just trying to help here. But I really, it was a, a really eye-opening thing when I, for me and I think for millions of Americans to recognize that Rush had helped fill out or explain, uh, kind of open the eyes of the American people, this is what the left is doing. They're telling you they're, they're expanding welfare to be nice. They're expanding welfare to grow a dependency class and, and a, a larger and larger permanent Democrat voting base. This, at this point in time in America, is uh, obvious. It is, you know, everyone who pays attention to politics recognizes that this is why the left spends money all the time on expanding domestic dependency programs, because they're trying to build a voting base. It's not because they're nice. But at the time he said it, many people, I think, had the reaction, that's kind of cynical. But you actually, you came to realize that he's exactly right. And he was very insightful, very able to kind of pierce through the way the left paints their policies or paint their visions and recognize this is the agenda. And he, and he Rush Limbaugh, explained to the American people, helped him very much. Very similar thing with respect to the environment, the uh, kind of climate change. First it was called climate, uh, you know, global warming, then it was climate change. Uh, early on, Rush Limbaugh was saying, the climate movement, the climate change movement is the new home of the socialist agenda in America. And again, I was naive. I thought, well, I'm not sure about that. I mean, they're, you know, they just have different solutions or they're just maybe overly or incorrectly concerned about the environment. But again, decades ago, Rush recognized it early on said, no, you, you got to understand the environmental movement is the new home of American socialists. And today, here we are in 2021, everyone paying attention to politics recognizes this. Everyone on the right understands that the environmental agenda is a socialist agenda. It is just under the guise of environmentalism because it keeps people feeling like they better comply with whatever the government's doing because after all, who could be against a good environment? Rush was gifted in discernment, and in articulating what he had discerned in a way to help people understand. It was just an incomparable value to the American people that Rush Limbaugh did this for people. Uh, another point I was gonna make is he did so much with humor. He was so funny. You know, you would hear things that he would just get you laughing. You're driving in the car and laughing at the way he would characterize events. You know, he really was, he, he almost never sounded harsh. He didn't sound angry. I mean, he sometimes was angry at what the left was pulling off but he had good humor and he just radiated love of America. And he got to where his, his voice was so valuable to the conservative movement that when we, my husband and I would be like doing cross country trips, we've driven across country numerous times or on big driving vacations, 
we would actually get out the little app and try to figure out, okay, well, we're going to be at the time rush comes on, you know, we're going to be at this location, this city or state, and we can tune into rush and hear rush for an hour or so. You, you kind of, it was like going to visit a friend. I also remember when he um, announced that he was getting married. I, um, I can't remember when the year was, but he announced he was going to be married or had gotten married. I remember realizing that I kind of think about, was thinking about him when he made that announcement, like an older brother. I'm like, oh, that's so nice. Like you'd feel about your older brother if you kind of wished he wasn't lonely, wish he had someone to spend his life with. That's how he made you feel. I never met the guy, but I felt that way. Wow, this is great. Cause you, you thought of him as a friend. So that was just a, um, and I think he cultivated that feeling in millions and millions of Americans. The last thing I'll say about him in this closing up the first five. So in the course of his time on air, he had times where he would tell about how, for example, uh, you know, he had been advocating uh, for the victory when we had the presidential election back in 2000, you know, supporting George W. Bush uh, for president. And so he had people, he talked about on air how people said to him, okay, well, you know, great advocacy, you did a good job, but now your guy won. You know, you've got George W. Bush, so you don't really have anything to talk about anymore. You, you can just, you know, yeah, stop your show or you can be done because you won. And uh, he had the same thing happen in 2008 when Barack Obama won, where Rush said, people said to him, well, you know, you kind of didn't win that one. Turns out uh, you're done. Nothing more to talk about. But his mission was not tied to a particular candidate or a particular issue. It was tied to the preservation of America and inspiring people through humor, intellect, information, providing arguments, explaining and exposing the agenda of the left. He was always about preserving America. So he just said, no, this both when uh, Bush won and then later when Obama won, he said, no, actually my, you know, my, my, my job here is not done. I'm going to keep on talking. In fact, he often had that line, I'm going to keep on talking till everyone agrees with me. So that was uh, my first five today, uh, you know, just a tribute to a great, great commentator, Rush Limbaugh, just fabulous. So my next topic we'll hit today, um, uh, uh, Trump schools McConnell. And I want to tell you a little bit why I wanted to do this. You likely saw that um, we mentioned yesterday, I think, on the show that Mitch McConnell had for absolutely no reason, no reason that would make sense or was justifiable, had lit into and attacked President Trump. So McConnell went ahead, he voted against, as a senator, he voted against uh, the impeachment, the removal, and this Senate, so he votes with Trump, but then right away takes to the floor and spouts off on the floor all about how, you know, he was, uh, this really, you can't actually kind of blame President Trump. It really was his fault, the whole thing that happened January 6th. And so, you know, Trump, hardly ever someone to take the anything sitting down, um, responded. And he sent McConnell um, a, a public, I believe, believe it was an email, but he sent it publicly. Um, and I want to ask Matt the Wonderful, I sent this to him as a document. And I think it, we've not been able to talk to I think he has this. See, I, I'm home. I can't even have him signal me from the studio. So I want to just mention why I think this is so important, what, um, it, what um, President Trump did. Because McConnell is representing the wing of the party that is saying, we, the establishment in Washington, we raise the money, we're the insiders, we're the long haul Republicans, and we raise the money and we're in charge. And now that we finally got Trump out of here, you know, we're going to launch forth and do um, what we want to do. That's what we're, we're going to launch forth. And um, and so we really don't want to have to listen anymore to this guy, um, Trump. And Trump, so I'm getting at the point of saying, I, Trump was not, and he was criticized for why did he have to spout off against McConnell publicly. I want to say it was a brilliant email that Trump sent to McConnell. And so I'm sorry, Matt, I'm back to talking about it. Let me put it back up there. So the very first um, paragraph he has, Trump email about McConnell, he says, um, this is from Trump's email to McConnell made public. In 2020, I received the most votes of any sitting president in, Amer in, in history, almost 75 million. Every incumbent Republican, um, House Republican won for the first time in decades. And we flipped 15 seats, almost costing, <clears throat> excuse me, Nancy Pelosi her job. 
Republicans won majorities in at least 59 of the 98 partisan legislative chambers, and the Democrats failed to flip a single legislative chamber from red to blue. And in Mitch's Senate, over the last two election cycles, I single-handedly saved at least 12 Senate seats, more than eight in the 2020 cycle alone. And the reason I love this is just the first of several paragraphs. I want to take a minute to talk about this one. This is Trump very rightly pointing out that McConnell does not sway votes. McConnell is not bringing Republican voters into the fold. He is not inspiring Republican voters to be part of the Republican Party. McConnell is a fundraiser. He is a, is a hack extraordinaire in Washington, connected to every lobbying group, connected to China, connected to the old ruling elite uniparty. And that's all McConnell is. McConnell did not win the election in 2020 for the Republicans. Trump did. All of those victories Trump mentioned, these are the result of what Trump has brought to America. Second paragraph that I sent to Matt in that great document that McConnell sent. There were several paragraphs in there. Okay, my only regret is that Mitch McConnell begged for my strong support and endorsement before the great people of Kentucky in the 2020 election, and I gave it to him. He went from one point down to 20 points up, and he won. How quickly he forgets. Without my endorsement, McConnell would have lost and lost badly. Now his numbers are lower than ever before. He is destroying the Republican side of the Senate and so doing seriously hurting our country. Again, Trump is the one that got not just McConnell elected, but numerous other people by bringing the message of the Trump Restore America to a variety of campaigns around the country and having voters associate that Save America message of Trump to whoever the candidate was Trump was there speaking for. So this is what Trump did, and he is exactly right, exactly right, that Mitch McConnell's cluelessness, uh, Mitch McConnell's failure to grasp this, whether he, whether McConnell does grasp it and just is trying to ignore it or suppress it, or he doesn't grasp it, Trump is exactly right in pointing out to McConnell how weak he is, how ineffective he is, he McConnell is, and how strong Trump was. And the reason all this matters, by the way, is not just because I want to make sure, because I don't have a tit-for-tat feel about this. It's not because I want to make sure that, you know, McConnell gets put in his place by Trump. It's because we are now at a, a enormous, uh, enormously consequential dividing line in American history. We have a Republican Party a mass of 80 million, whatever he says, 74, 75 million voters who voted for Trump and they voted for the Trump agenda and they're livid with the Republican Party. Livid. The Republicans in this country are livid with the Republican uh, Party in Washington, the party that wouldn't stand with Trump during the impeachment, that wouldn't stand with Trump uh, during the time he was being assaulted by the FBI, the DOJ, that were silent, let him just suffer. This is Republican Party that would never stand by Trump. And now McConnell is trying to say, well, you know, hey, now we're going to move forward. Yay us. And so Trump is saying, no, actually not so fast, Mitch. So next paragraph I sent, and Matt, if you can, there's another one up there. Mitch is a, and this is one people thought was a little bit harsh, but you know what? This is a, you know, sometimes the truth hurts. Mitch is a dour, sullen, and unsmiling political hack. And if Republican senators are going to stay with him, they will not win again. And he is exactly right. They will not win again. He will never do what needs to be done or what is right for our country. Where necessary and appropriate, I will back primary rivals who espouse making America great again and our policy of America first. We want brilliant, strong, thoughtful, and compassionate leadership. This is a huge point Trump is making. Nobody tries to listen to Mitch McConnell and it's not just Mitch McConnell, it is what he represents. It is that ruling elite class, uniparty, Washington, D.C., you know, we raise money. We're tied to all the old big money in the GOP. We're here to be in charge. Trump is out of here. And Trump is saying not even close. And it's important for Trump to have said this to McConnell and about McConnell and for Trump to have said it publicly. 
because what Trump is saying is exactly what the 75 million Americans who voted for Trump are thinking. Mitch McConnell leads nothing. He leads nothing. He got into a position as the leader of the Republican Party in the Senate for a lot of reasons that have nothing to do with his grasp of America, of where America stands, what the, the threats to America are. He got into that position for a bunch of ugly old political hack reasons, and it's not good enough in America for him to think that this is going to galvanize the base, galvanize the American people moving forward. I think there's one more paragraph in there, Matt. I don't have this document in front of me. This is hard from home. I think one more paragraph, yeah. Prior to the pandemic, we produced the greatest economy and job numbers in the history of our country. And likewise, our economic recovery after COVID was the best in the world. We cut taxes and regulations, rebuilt our military, took care of our vets, became energy independent, built the wall and stopped the massive inflow of illegals into our country and so much more. And now illegals are pouring in, pipelines are being stopped, taxes will be going up, we will no longer be energy independent. This is a big moment for our country. We cannot let it pass by using third rate leaders to dictate our future. I'm telling you, my friends, this is Trump throwing down the gauntlet, not just to McConnell, who richly deserves it, but to the entire Republican Party. This is Trump telling the entire Republican Party that you have nowhere to go, you have no leadership at all if you're going to stick with the Mitch McConnells of the world. Mitch McConnell doesn't understand the American, the, the GOP base. He doesn't understand why Trump won in the record numbers he did in 2016, why he garnered the number of Republican votes he did in 2020. Mitch McConnell doesn't understand it and he wants more than anything else to not to suppress Trump, to suppress the entire Trump agenda. McConnell thinks he can move the party forward and win the Senate back in 2022 and win House seats back in 2022, standing on the old party, the old ruling elite uniparty Republican party, which is dead in the eyes of millions of American voters. The only question is which way those American voters go. So I'll tell you other quick things on this point before to wrap up this segment. Uh, the GOP actually did, the, Republic, the National Republican Party did decide just, I guess, this week that they've sent out, now they are launching their election integrity initiative. They're going to be going to the states where they can do something there, which is a majority of the Republican, a majority of states are run by Republican legislatures and governors, and they're going to go to those states and help them with election integrity. This is the GOP waking up way too late, failing to ever stand up when it mattered, when Trump was still trying to fight the election fraud, but at least GOP is saying now, okay, we're going to go and fight on election integrity. And I am glad they're doing that. I mean, I, I am actually very glad that they are doing that. But it's a, it's kind of too late, much later than they should have done it. Um, and it is a, um, uh, it is a, I, I hope it's a strong and realistic effort. I'm concerned it's just a virtue signaling by the GOP to the base, don't worry, we're all over this, because the GOP hasn't done much to convince the American people that they're working very hard to actually help the American people. But the GOP is saying they're gonna do that. And the last thing, quick tell you in this segment is this, um, there was polling that was talking about um, the uh, what Americans think, that this, this wide swath of Americans, is 74, 75, 80 million Americans who support Trump but more precisely, they support the Trump agenda. They want all the things Trump put in that note to McConnell. That's what they want. And the question is where those people want to have that come from? Where are those people going to go to have their political voice? So there was a recent poll out basically saying the support for a third US political party reaches the highest point in 20 years. Listen to these numbers, 63% of Republicans and this even better, 63% of Republicans and 70% of independents want a new party. They have concluded they are not represented by the current Republican Party. 
and they want a home to go to. They want a political home. So this is what Mitch McConnell and all of the ruling elite in Washington, the GOP, must process. They either allow the GOP to be actually run by the vast majority of Republican voters who stand with the Trump agenda and let the Trump agenda become the GOP's honest-to-goodness agenda, get rid of all of their uniparty agenda, all of their uh, loyalty to the old ways, and decide, yeah, we're going to stick with the Trump agenda, or they're going to discover um, that the uh, the voters are going to want a new party. So the Republicans, if they want to have any viable future at all, remains Republican Party, they've got to say, we're with these, the Trump supporters. We're with the 75 to 80 million people in this country and that's whose agenda we're going to support. This is the d decision that Mitch McConnell faces. This is what he's got to decide. And this was brilliant of Trump to send the letter directly to McConnell, responding to his idiotic attack on Trump, and to say more than just, you know, you shouldn't have said that, but to move forward and say there's no way forward for the current Republican Party as it is presently constituted. So this is where we are with... Um, with Mitch McConnell, um, and I, I think it's actually just an astonishing uh, time. I think McConnell is so past tone deaf. It tone deaf just means you're kind of aware. He's he actually thinks somehow he's going to galvanize the the massive GOP base that supports Trump into supporting Republican Party when he isn't going to do anything to change the Republican Party to bring them in line with the Trump agenda. So Mitch McConnell has a lot of thinking to do as does the leadership of the entire Republican Party. Okay, next thing I wanna to hit today is about Biden. I call this Biden's bumbling uh, Kamala, uh, which is the vice president, Kamala's bidding uh, and Democrat lies. To tell you uh, three quick things about this. Uh, so last night, I think it was just last night, uh, Joe Biden had a town hall um, in um, put on by CNN. So you already know, you know, probably suspect. But I want to tell you some things. I, I mean, the CNN, you know, CNN putting on a town hall for Joe Biden it is like, you know, like little, like letting little kids put out a town hall for Santa Claus. I mean, they, they can't do enough just to make him, just tell him how wonderful he is and to drool all over him and tell him he's the greatest thing ever. I mean, it was a sycophantish level town hall. But anyway, it was a town hall, first really outing Biden has had since he's been in the White House. By the way, as a small aside, reports are that Biden in the White House is um, going to bed somewhere in the range of 7 p.m. Do you realize this? I mean, Trump, the never sleeper, was, was the other extreme where he's always working late and up early and people say, how does he get Biden so little sleep? Biden is reportedly going to bed around 7 p.m which is one of the symptoms having watched my very precious father go through Alzheimer's, right, serious dementia, they start to go to bed earlier and earlier and then they're wandering during the night, not saying he's doing that, but very weird, very weird. But back to CNN, so CNN has Biden on and I sent this uh, first clip, I want to I sent it to Matt, um, I'm gonna ask him to play, this is a uh, clip four and this is a question Biden has asked. There's actually a gentleman, you'll see him briefly in the clip, I think, uh, as someone in the audience asked the question, what are you going to do about all these white supremacists? So here's the question. Here's how Biden answered at CNN's town hall last night. You may I got involved in politics to begin with because of civil rights and opposition to white supremacists, the Ku Klux Klan, and the most dangerous people in America continue to exist. That is the greatest threat to terror in America, domestic terror. And so I would make sure that my Justice Department and the Civil Rights Division is focused heavily on those very folks. And I would make sure that we, in fact, focus on how to deal with the rise of white supremacy. And you see what's happening in the studies that are beginning to be done, maybe at your university as well, about the impact of former military, former police officers on, on the growth of white supremacy in some of these groups. Okay, I've got to tell you, friends, first of all, the way we're set up at home, I'm in my home, my office at home, you can clearly see this is my little office at home. Uh, the sound doesn't work, so, but I, um, so I did not hear what Biden said, but I played it a few times, believe me. I just want to ask you how likely it would be that if there were a Republican giving an answer in any public context who implied that people who were African-American 
can't figure out how to go online or can't figure out how to get in line to get a vaccine, how likely would it be that the media would just, you know, give it a pass? This is so obnoxious, so obnoxious. And also, I want to just hit his point about white supremacy and tell you this most amazing thing. So Biden here is saying, well, I ran on, you know, and I'm really a very tough guy about this. You know, I ran on white supremacy. You know, it drove me to run. And you know what he's talking about is he claimed when he launched his 2020 presidential election bid, Biden announced that one reason he decided to run was because he was so upset about when President Trump had made a comment after some of the uh, riots, after the riot in which there was a dispute about whether or not to tear down Civil War era statues. Trump made the point, made the comment that there were good people on both sides. And he made clear over and over, Trump did, that what he meant was there are good people who stand on the side of saying we should tear down all Civil War era statues of people who, who fought in the South for the side for the South. And other people say, no, you leave the statues up and then you teach Americans about our history and about what the Civil War was about. So they're you know, legitimate good people on both sides. That's all Trump said. And he clarified it over and over and over. Biden launched his campaign on a lie. He launched his campaign on a lie that Trump had said that there, was, that there were people who were KKKers or Nazis or white supremacists, just horrible, evil people that no one in the country actually likes or listens to. But Biden launched his campaign on a flat out lie claiming to the American people that Trump had said that these evil white supremacists were fine people. And this lie is one the media has persisted in permitting Biden to tell over and over and over, as they do with many, many lies on the left. If you're on the left, you can lie and lie and lie again. You can lie as much as you want because nobody will ever correct you. No one in the media will ever say, hey, Joe, actually, that's not what President Trump said. They just let him do it. And so Biden is making allusion to that. And this answer just there, well, hey, you know, um, I launched my campaign on this because, you know, we were, um, you know, I'm, I'm really, really upset about white supremacism. So it's a lie that it's a lie that Trump said that Trump Trump never said that white supremacists are really fine people. And he clarified that over and over. He clarified it many times because the left kept lying about it. But the left just found this a convenient political tool. Well, here's the most amazing update I want to tell you. So one of the lawyers who represented President Trump in the impeachment, this guy, his last name is Schoen, S-C-H-O-E-N. Schoen, his first name is David. David Schoen is an attorney, represents Trump in this impeachment, and he actually said that he did not know until he was preparing his defense against the House impeachment manager's case. And the House impeachment managers again used the lie. And understand me, please, my listeners, the Democrats know it's a lie. They know Trump never said that white supremacists really find people. Trump never said it, period, full stop, never said it. Democrats know that, Biden knows that, the entire media knows that, the American left knows it, but they see this as a lie that is valuable to the Democrat mission of continuing to divide America and fill the American people with suspicions about their fellow Americans. They use it for the ugliest reasons of galvanizing and growing political power and creating division in America, pure evil as their motive. But back to this guy, Schoen, who is a lawyer for Trump, Schoen said in his, as he's making this presentation about, you know, in defending Trump, that the, 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 the House impeachment managers had presented this lie, again, about very fine people. And this Schoen guy said he didn't know until he was literally the night before he's preparing his defense to make the presentation to the Senate, preparing his defense and reading through what Trump actually said, he said he never knew until that day, until the day he's going to go in and, and make the presentation of the defense of Trump to the Senate, that the Democrats and Biden and the left 
and the media have been lying to the American people about this for years. And this is not, when you think about this, this is a guy who's smart enough, you know, to go to college, go to law school, become a lawyer, pass the bar, practice law, be chosen as a lawyer to represent Trump. He's that educated, he's that smart, he is that apparently well-informed, and he did not know until the day he got up to walk, to go into the Senate and speak in defense of Trump, that the left had cooked up this lie and promulgated this lie and spread this lie and repeated this lie. And I just tell you, if this guy, if this guy didn't know that, just think of all the Americans who are not as educated, not as informed, not as willing to read and learn, who actually believe this lie that the Biden team has pushed all this time. Democrats live to divide America. You have to get that idea. They live to divide America. They divide America. They pit Americans against each other. They tell African-Americans that they should see our society as a society filled and overflowing with racial hatred and division and people who are white supremacists. And then, of course, they end up fomenting suspicion and division in our society. And they do this on purpose. You have to understand this about the American left. This idea this guy Schoen didn't even know this. One thing, you know, if you say the average Joe person, Schoen, a lawyer representing Trump of that caliber, didn't know until the day he went in to defend Trump that the, uh, that the Biden team had lied about this, that the American left had lied about this all this time. Another clip from the, um, the episode last night with, uh, or I guess it was last night, uh, where there was a, in Milwaukee this town hall that CNN put on, uh, it was like a love fest they put on for Biden. Um, and that was, um, this is a, um, a shorter piece um, this was, yeah, actually it was clip five. This is where he was saying they don't know how to get in line. This is clip five. I, I couldn't hear the clip playing before. This is clip five. The, uh, the other part, portion is a lot of people don't know how to register. Not everybody in the community, in the Hispanic and the African-American community, particularly in uh, uh, rural areas that are distant and or inner city districts, know how to use know how to get online to determine how to get in line for that COVID vaccination at the, at the Walgreens or at, at, at the particular store. Okay, so there you have him. I'm sorry, I, as I was saying, I couldn't hear the clip. So that's the one he was making the point that um, minorities can't figure out how to get in line or to get online. I mean, seriously, so insulting, so obnoxious. Okay, but that, so that's Biden. You know, he is not barely been out in public speaking. He's not sounding coherent. Lots of stories out of the White House of things happening. Uh, last thing about where, how Biden is doing uh, as, as a you know, alleged president of the United States um, is that Kamala Harris, our vice president, she's actually, the White House released a statement. Uh, they, they release these things where they have calls between the White House, the president, and the uh, foreign leaders of, of other countries. So the White House, they call publishing a readout they're letting the American people know, essentially, yes, as, as a new president, I, Joe Biden, have called, you know, whoever it is, wherever it is, you know, I'm connecting with our allies or with other world leaders. I, I'm doing my job. The White House published a readout yesterday entitled Readout of Vice President Kamala Harris's Call with President Emmanuel Macron of France. Okay, understand, this is one of the premier things that new presidents do coming into office. They connect with other world leaders and they tell other world leaders, you know, yes, I'm here, I'm the president, I wish to, you know, continue our alliance on these issues. Uh, here are my issues. They, they lay out where we stand as America. They lay out our relationship with the other, uh, this other country. They spell out the issues. Her readout goes on and on and on about, you know, committing to strengthening bilateral ties between the U.S. and France. Um, they agreed on the need for bilateral cooperation to address COVID, climate change. They basically run through their agenda. But this is not Joe Biden calling the president of France. This is Kamala Harris. 
This is not minor. I know the left will say, oh, isn't that great? You know, Trump is, I mean, uh, you know, Biden is sharing power. He's showing he really trusts his vice president. This is Kamala Harris slowly taking over because Biden is not mentally collected. Biden is, and I'm sorry, because I don't want anyone on the whole planet Earth to be suffering from dementia, but he is in some degree losing his mental faculties. And the White House decided to have Kamala Harris place this call to this key world leader. She also, Kamala Harris, Vice President Kamala Harris, also recently spoke with Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. And I gotta tell you, this is not a minor thing. This is a signal. This is a signal to the American people that you gotta be able to see Kamala Harris as president because she's eventually going to be and probably very quickly. Um, and you have to see that she is going to be stepping up into this role because as you were going to be watching as Biden's mental faculties continue to diminish, we're going to need Kamala Harris in that role. It's not a minor thing that Biden would permit as the first call as the connecting to the world leaders, to Trudeau of Canada and Macron of France, two key important allies to America, and you have Kamala Harris placing the call. Not a minor thing. So I call this uh, Biden's bumbling and Kamala bidding and then Democrat lies. I really do. I want you, if you remember nothing else from our show today, remember how much the left is pushing this lie about Trump, whatever, that he, you know, this fine people lie. But the purpose, what's important to remember about it is the purpose. The purpose the left has is to endlessly divide us along lines of race, to plant the seeds in the minds of the American people that there is a massive white supremacy problem and they in Washington are going to have to take charge in all sorts of ways to fix it and to protect America. Um, okay, well, the next thing I want to hit today, I talk, call it a Democrat mission to connect these dots. I forgot to even call it a segment, but anyway. The gist of it, I want to make the point. There was a really great article on American Thinker, and um, I'm going to hit some of his points, and then I'm going to add some of my own. But we're just, you know, we're basically a month in to this new administration. We have, you know, we have President Biden, and again, I will say he is our president because our process says that, you know, he was sworn in on January 20th, and that means he is our president. It's also very important to understand that for millions of Americans uh, who pay attention to the political process, there is a extreme level, extreme level of distrust in our election process and distrust in whether or not we, uh, we actually know the outcome of the November 2020 elections because nobody will permit looking into the actual evidence of election fraud. But this article I mentioned, I want to just, I, I meant to do one of those connect the dot slides that ran out of time. But I really want to say, you know, where we are, we can, on this show, I'm always talking about America's policies and, you know, what is the issue and what is the way to solve it and things like that. But I want you to connect these dots to so think about these various issues all coming out. We've only had this administration for a month and let's see where they're headed. So number one, Congress is acting in every way possible to try to prevent the possibility that Donald Trump runs again for president in 2024. I am not advocating that he should, but I'm saying they're trying to usurp the role of the American people in choosing their president by pushing, as they're continuing to do, pushing for the uh, American public to agree that Trump was responsible for the January 6th assault on the Capitol, and therefore that he must be, they want to find some basis to have him ruled ineligible to run in 2024. The Democrats and the establishment Republicans are afraid of Trump's popularity and with very good reason, very good reason, because they understand Trump is more well-beloved, more appreciated, more respected uh, than pretty much any president in modern history that anyone can remember. So they want to shut him down. It's not just him, it's his agenda. 
So they now have this talk of this commission to be created, similar to 9-11 commission. They're going to have witnesses brought. They're going to, they're going to deeply explore what happened on January 6th, who was responsible, who was involved, you know, how much culpability Trump could have. And, and please believe me when I tell you that the Department of Justice under President Biden is looking very closely at whether or not they can possibly, possibly put uh, bring charges of some criminal nature against President Trump because of the January 6th uh, incident at the Capitol. The DOJ is looking as hard as they can, pushed by the Democrat Party leadership to say, can you find some reason to prosecute President Trump? They want him in some way to become ineligible. So they are taking you, and this is the first point, the Democrats are pushing in this first month doing everything they can think of and take away the potential of the American people to choose their president in 2024. Again, I'm not pushing Trump running in 2024. I'm just saying the Democrats are trying to make sure he can't. Number two, they're pushing this electoral college elimination. The protection of the American people that the electoral college provides that the founding fathers in their wisdom created in the constitution that sets up the system so that we don't have the country run by the uh, densely populated cities, uh, a small number of, of cities and the masses of Americans across the great geographic uh, layout of America have no, no voice. And, and that's what the Electoral College prevents. It protects the idea that the presidency must be uh, chosen, the president must be chosen with representation from all states via Electoral College, Democrats pushing that. They hope to have that over the finish line so that they can eliminate Electoral College without even having um, a, a constitutional amendment through this, uh, the, this compact thing they're working on. Number three, they are working very hard. We talk about this at great length. We'll talk about it more. HR1 to have the, the, pro, the possibility of the federal government taking over, federalizing all election processes and HR1 not just permits, it mandates, if it were to pass, mandates that states put into place all of the policies that California or the leftist states use that foment and enable election fraud. It is a mandate election fraud bill. It takes away the state's rights to create their own policies. It eliminates the electoral integrity provision states have passed. I mean, it is a nightmare for anyone who wants election integrity, but they want to take over federal elections with a, with a new law that would just completely eliminate election integrity. They're also working to grant statehood to the District of Columbia, which is a debate that's gone on since the founding of America whether or not District of Columbia, which is not a state, it's a it's the unique capital of America, but it's of course like 98% Democrat or something. And so to make a new state with new votes, electoral college, understand everything the Democrats do is contrived. Everything is about the agenda. One of the things I pointed out about our precious Rush Limbaugh in the opening five, you gotta see their agenda. It's not about being nice, it's not about being fair. It is about the agenda to secure power and to make sure they get the power and never can be taken away again. They want to rewrite the First Amendment. And this is a huge one. We've been talking about this. This is the left saying under the guise of being of alarm created by January 6th that they're going to redefine domestic terrorism and the redefinition as drafted. The redefinition of domestic terrorism includes people who dare to challenge the electoral outcome of the most recent election or who continue to talk about election fraud. They are saying we're going to shut down the First Amendment and the First Amendment in particular, the right to speak about the most important, one of the most important issues facing America, which is election integrity and which is uncovering what happened in election 2020. And they are through this, their, their border initiatives, what they're doing at the borders, which we're going to hit in our last segment for today. But they are trying to, through executive order and other non-legislative means, to completely eviscerate the border security, to allow more and more people to flood into America, they, and President uh, Biden has already 
reinstated cash and release. Remember, President Trump took away cash and release, said if we catch people, we're not going to just release them into the public and say, you know, into the American heartland and say, remember to come back for your a hearing date. And they, of course, never do. So President Trump just said no more of this catch and release. President Biden said we're bringing back catch and release. Yeah, we catch them, we just let them go. So we have that. We have President Biden has already gotten rid of Remain in Mexico, which was a great policy designed to keep people who are seeking asylum, make them stay in Mexico until their asylum uh, application is processed. Because if they come in and they make their asylum uh, pro application and then they're permitted to wander free while we're assessing their asylum request, you know, we're never going to see them again. So Biden has, under numerous means, ended up doing undoing all the of the uh, border security provisions that the uh, Trump administration put in place. So let me just put these together for you. Connect these dots. In just this one short month since Biden has been president, everyone on the American left in Washington work as hard as they can to be sure the American people cannot choose President Trump in 2024. They are working to eviscerate, destroy the Electoral College, a protection in place since the founding of America that prevents America from being run by the few uh, a small number of cities where a vast majority of Americans reside. Number three, they are also trying to take over the election process. The Constitution says that the states have absolutely have the power to set their provisions uh, for elections and of course, the left is relying on in this this massive attempt to federalize and take over elections on the federal level, relying on the argument that otherwise the states can't be trusted and they're having to do this to fix voter suppression. A lie, but then again, the left lies. Grant statehood to, the, to DC, just grant statehood to an entity they know just simply gives them more electoral votes. And there were very many reasons why America chose as founding to leave D.C. as not a state, as unique and not a state, uh, eliminate political speech they disagree with, criminalize political speech with which they disagree. This is unprecedented in America, and yet this is where we are. And there's a whole thing about border immigration policy just simply to, to uh, reinstate the border chaos that greeted President Trump as he came into office four years ago, reinstate the chaos, encouraging caravans to come up from South America and Central America, encouraging them to come into America and scattering them across the American heartland, surely with the notion uh, that ultimately these people will become citizens under the uh, soon to become amnesty. If you are painting a picture, if you are painting a picture of a plan, of a plot, to destroy America the Great, these are the steps you would do. It's outrageous what the left is doing right in our faces. This is the Marxist takeover of America. And America, fortunately, more and more Americans are awake. The question is what we can do to stop it. We talk about in the show a lot what we can do to stop it. We'll be talking more about what we can do to stop it tomorrow. I have a big segment on that tomorrow. Okay, last little segment I want to hit today before we run out of time uh, is America didn't vote for this. And I want to just... Um, I mentioned the border stuff. I, I want to say again and again, America, okay, even if you say that you think that the election of 2020 had no vote fraud, no election fraud, Biden won fair and square, I am telling you the American people and even the majority who voted for Biden do not want the agenda Biden is bringing to America. They do not want it. Many people got caught up in the lie that somehow, you know, you just got to vote against Trump because he's tearing the country apart. So I'm just voting for Biden because I don't like Trump. The American people did not vote for what the Trump, what the Biden administration is doing. And I want to just give you just one um, example. Um, there was a, uh, there is a uh, caravan, there is a uh, border um, weakness in America. Um, there's a, um, a people coming across the border who now, because we have uh, re-embraced cash and release, because we're not enforcing the border, um, we have coming across the border, we have, I'm trying to find the number, it's going to bug me not finding it quickly enough, 20, yeah, 25,000, over 25,000 migrants, over 25,000 migrants have crossed into America's border. This is happening right now. 
the Department of Homeland Security, Department of Homeland Security under President Biden has announced with the 25,000 uh, illegal immigrants entering Texas and, um, and California, the DHS has announced that they are going to release these people. It's actually 25,600 people into Texas and California. And the Border Patrol people are saying, hey, you know, we don't want to know who these people are. And no one is requiring a COVID test. So put a comma there. 25,000 people, 25,000 plus people coming into America. No one's required a COVID test. Arizona Sheriff is reporting. Uh, he has seen a five-fold increase in illegal border crossing since Biden was elected. So people who want to cross America's borders, come into America legally, are emboldened because nobody's stopping them, nobody's going to punish them, and they're not afraid that America has an enforceable border. So Arizona Sheriff sees a five-fold increase in illegal border crossings. Now just, you know, let me paint this little picture for you. Biden team has been announced, they have announced that they're considering whether to limit travel in some way for American citizens in and out of Florida because they're annoyed that in Florida under Governor DeSantis, we actually have a fairly open state. We have schools open. We have in most places, masks are not required. We're like back to normal, more or less, in large segments of Florida. Florida is not playing along with the DC COVID shutdown America concept. So Biden is saying to keep America safe, he is thinking about the idea of limiting travel between the other states and Florida, travel in and out of Florida, because they don't do the right thing on COVID. At the same time, so he's willing to limit the freedom of the American people to travel within their own country. At the same time, his DHS is saying, but yeah, 25,600 legal immigrants about whom we have no idea who they are, what their health condition is, what their COVID status is, they can come right in. They're gonna come right in and we're gonna follow them off to Texas and California. This is not rational. This is not a policy juxtaposition that can be justified by anyone. If you're worried about COVID and you think is that serious, you wouldn't be letting in 25,600 illegal immigrants into America, releasing them into America, no detention to find out who they are, no testing for COVID, just let them loose. At the same time, be saying COVID is so dangerous and Florida, you know, they don't follow all the mask mandates. And so there, there we have to really crack down. These are the actions of an administration that cannot be justified based on logic. They are also the actions of an administration that are fully understandable if you recognize their real agenda. The Biden team's agenda is to allow illegal immigration into America in, in growing numbers, encouraging new caravans to come up from Central and South America, encouraging them to cross the border because they see these as future Democrat voters and therefore, heaven forbid, they get stopped at the border and COVID tested and maybe become a problem. So if it's the agenda to grow the Democrat voting base, the people they're going to instantly make into citizens with amnesty, they don't care about COVID. To punish a state that is celebrating the freedom of people to live freely as they're doing in Florida, then the agenda dictates that Biden say, you know what, this is dangerous. Oh my gosh, we have people in and out of Florida. They're not wearing masks. And so we've got to, we've got to crack down on this and the American citizens and their right to freely travel. Illegal migrants can cross over the border, freely travel, whatever we sell them, they're fine. American citizens, whether they're Florida citizens or in the other states who may want to visit Florida, those people better be limited. I'm telling you people, it helps you start to see the agenda of the left it is not about keeping people safe. It's not about kindness and compassion toward the migrants coming up from South America and Central America. It is about acquiring and establishing a growing ruling Democrat party with no potential for any opposition to them in future elections. 
when you think of what they're doing, the connecting dots I said a moment ago, when you're saying we're going to control who can run for president, we're going to mandate vote voter laws that we know foment and encourage and permit and legitimize vote fraud and election fraud. We're going to force election fraud on the states. We're going to prohibit election integrity. When you do those things, you're doing them because you have an agenda of permanent long-term power, which is the Marxist agenda in America. It's no longer to permit the American people to choose their own government based on free and fair elections. It's in America, the Marxists think they have taken over and we are watching piece by piece by piece by piece on the Biden administration, this Marxist takeover happen. And it is incumbent on every Republican every conservative, every patriot, every freedom-loving American to be in the fight for America right now. And that means supporting election integrity laws in your state, pushing your state legislatures, if you're in a red state, to pass stringent election integrity provisions, regardless of how much you'll be attacked for doing so, because the left will always claim that election integrity somehow makes it unfair uh, to people of color because they might not, I don't know what, be able to get a, they can't figure out how to get a voter ID, they can't figure out how to stand in line. I don't know what they're saying about them, but election integrity is huge. Getting involved at every level of government, finding good candidates to run at every level of government, spreading the word about what is in HR1, Call it unconstitutional. Tell your friends about it. Be an activist in your day-to-day -day life. This is what's going to take in 2021 to protect and preserve America. At the close of every show, I tell you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we start our show today at the very beginning. I believe Matt the Wonderful has these slides. Yes, he does. Rush Limbaugh. I mean, just what a, oh, by the way, I had a clip of Carolyn, uh, of Catherine uh, Limbaugh, his wife, uh, she actually announced his passing on his show. Just an incredibly precious um, tribute to him. I, I, you know, he's incomparable. Uh, just so, so sorry that he's gone. But Rush Limbaugh, an incomparable talent, the quintessential American patriot, a classic story of pursuing what he always wanted to do and becoming the best ever to do it. No one before or since has come close to his audience size and loyalty. His good humor and gift for satire and parody were unparalleled. The media did not make him, which is why the media could not break him. His most vicious critics almost certainly never listened to him, but instead simply reacted to what others claimed he said or meant. Sound familiar? Rush often advised that he would let his audience know when it was time to panic. In one of his last newsletters, he made it clear it is never time to give up on preserving America. And on this show, America Can We Talk, we will never give up on preserving America. And on Trump schools McConnell, Trump responded publicly and forcefully to Mitch McConnell's Senate floor speech condemning Trump, signaling he is not going to fade from public view. McConnell has a swamp behind him, but he does not have the support of the American people. And his fellow GOP senators are waking up to that fact. McConnell believes he successfully marginalized and then destroyed the Tea Party. He thinks he'll do the same to the MAGA agenda and the MAGA voters. But the Tea Party did not coalesce around a specific election or candidate and the MAGA agenda. And Trump received 74 plus million votes less than four months ago. Trump and McConnell are proxies for a larger battle, the future of freedom in America. Our bet is on the American people preserving their freedom. And on Biden's bumbling and Kamala's bidding, while Kamala handles calls with foreign leaders, Biden's town hall includes a strange put down of minorities as having trouble figuring out how to get online or to get the vaccine, a cheap shot, oh, I didn't even get out because I couldn't hear the clip, but a cheap shot against military and police officers as tainted with white supremacy. Biden actually accused the white supremacist that, that former military and police officers are a source of white supremacy. Just such, he doesn't believe that, or if he does, he's insane. It's an evil thing to say. He knows it. But as I say, the Democrat Party lives to divide America. Continued theme of fighting white supremacy as if it's the biggest problem in America. He launched his presidential campaign by reference to the fine people hoax. Consider Trump's defense counsel in the impeachment um, number, the impeachment number two, did not realize until the day of the argument in the Senate that the fine people comment was entirely contrived. 
This is the damage done by an irresponsible and malicious mainstream media. Normal Americans just can't believe the mainstream media would lie for an agenda. And on the Democrat mission and connecting these dots, credit to William Levin, who wrote this piece, is linked on our website, American Thinker. Dems plans for permanent majority make up rules of who can and can't run for office, excuse me, especially the president, and that's especially getting after Trump, uh, eliminate the electoral college without amending the Constitution, federalize elections, override state election laws, award statehood to Washington, D.C., 94% Democrat, introduce carve-outs to the First Amendment's freedom of speech for unacceptable political speech, meaning people who actually might challenge the election of 2020 and claim election fraud. Open the borders to executive order without congressional action. Americans need to understand these actions and their consequences. These six steps will be the end of America as the bastion of freedom. And finally, on America, did not vote for this. Catch and release is reinstated by the Biden team. 26,000 plus illegal immigrants be released into America, apparently without COVID testing. But school children, the least vulnerable, ones who aren't going to get COVID and are not going to be harmed by it, cannot go back to school due to COVID. And Americans' travel to Florida may be restricted because of COVID. Americans did not vote for this. This is not the product of following science or even coherent database policy. This is the product of a leftist power grab against the will of the American people. Biden is not bringing unity and healing to America. And my friends, tomorrow on this show, America Can We Talk, one more day, we do the show from home. Uh, I'm in the studio, I believe we'll be back open on Monday, uh, assuming you will have power back and everything. So uh, this tomorrow my show, I want to mention, I have Sam Faddis joining us. And if you are an, a, a fan of his writing, he's a brilliant guy. I ended up with a, in a conference call with him over the weekend. Um, he writes uh, often at the one um, outlet called AND, A-N-D, but it's Sam Faddis, F-A-D-D-I-S, full of brilliant ideas. You'll enjoy him tomorrow joining us. Um, and I will close out the show by telling you, I thank you for listening to America Can We Talk. I am Debbie Georgiatis. My show is America Can We Talk. I do it every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time. And I do America Can We Talk to speak up for this precious, extraordinary experiment in human liberty and self-governance, the governance, the most precious country, idea of a country to ever bless this earth. I speak up for America because America matters. And I'll talk to you next time. Can we talk truth about America? Can you